This is On Location. I'm Tim Leitner. Today's edition comes to you from Virginia, Illinois, California, and Alaska. But first, On Location is produced by the NCA Communications Committee with special production assistance from Joe Manlin and me. You can find our podcast on iTunes, Anchor, Spotify, Google Podcast, Breaker, iHeartRadio, and Radio Public, among others. So subscribe today on your favorite podcast service and tell all your friends. On today's program, Pat O'Donnell with Young Williams and myself, Tim Leitner, with CGI Technologies and Solutions Incorporated, introduce a first in a series focused on engaging with one of the child support program's important contributors, employers. Their guests today are Corey Flores, the Director of Government Affairs, Wage Garnishments, Compliance and Shared Services for ADP, and Sherry Grigsby, the Deputy Director of the Division of Federal Systems with the Federal Office of Child Support Enforcement. They have a conversation to help sort out and understand employers' roles with the child support program. They discuss the history of the child support program in the U.S., who it touches, and who it helps. They round out their discussion with the hows and whys of employer responsibilities for assisting with the child support program. If you're an employer, this discussion is tailored for you. It's going to be a great show, so stick around, and we'll be right back. Welcome to NCA On Location, where today's episode is the first in a series focused on engaging with one of the child support program's important contributors, employers. My name is Tim Leitner, and I'm with CGI Technologies and Solutions, recording in Anchorage, Alaska. And joining me today is my co-host and colleague, Pat O'Donnell. Pat? Well, thank you, Tim. It's really a pleasure to be a part of this podcast, and I very much appreciate the opportunity. This series came about because Tim and myself have been brainstorming over the last year or so around how to provide the most educational information we possibly can to the employer community. And for me personally, this really came into focus when I participated in the employer symposium that was held last July in Boston. And after that, Tim and I said, this is really an important event. And so we engaged our speakers today to assist us in identifying what we felt were the most important initial topics to raise to employers' attention and perhaps help educate the larger community. So joining us today to help round out and sort out a little bit more about the employer roles within the child support program are Corey Flores with ADP and Sherry Grigsby with the Federal Office of Child Support. So Sherry and Corey, I'm going to ask each of you to introduce yourselves. Tell us a little bit more about who you are and what you do and why this topic is so important. So Corey, I'll ask you to lead us off. Thanks, Pat. Thanks, Tim. So as you mentioned, my name is Corey Flores. I'm the Director of Government Affairs for ADP, and I'm also the chair of the American Payroll Association's Government Relations Task Force. 
focused on child support and other garnishments, as well as a member of NCIA. And really, since employers pay such a large volume of the child support across the United States, employers really appreciate the collaboration and partnership with the child support community. And so we're just excited to be able to share such a great relationship. Thank you, Corey. Sherry? Hi, Corey and Pat. Thanks so much for inviting me to participate in this podcast. I'm Sherry Grigsby, and I am the Deputy Director of the Division of Federal Systems with the Federal Office of Child Support Enforcement, or OCSE for short. I've been in the child support program for 29 years, starting my career in the state of Virginia as a caseworker. In my current position, one of my areas of responsibility is to oversee our employer services line of business, and we focus on working with employers and child support agencies to improve communication. We want to develop efficient and streamlined processes that will result in families receiving support timely. And this topic is so important because employers are one of the key child support program partners and collections attributed to the employers withholding support makes up a majority of the total amount collected annually. That's why it's important for us to all work together to identify opportunities to implement processes and to make things easier on both child support agencies and our employer partners. Great. Thanks, Sherry. Hey, Sherry, I've got to ask, so can you start us out by giving us a brief history of the child support program in the United States? When did it begin and whose lives does it touch? Sure, Tim. So the child support program was established in 1975 and it was originally set up to reimburse benefits paid by the government's welfare programs. The program has sure evolved since then, and today it's really more of a family support program providing significant income for families. And our program touches the lives of approximately 13.2 million children nationwide, which is about one in five children. And I could go on and on about the history of the program and uh, give you a lot more details, but I know we have a short time for the podcast. If you'd like more information about the Child Support Program, our website is fantastic and it's a wonderful resource. And Tim, if I could just add, so many of us are touched by the child support program, whether it's as an employer or a payroll professional, we're actually processing the orders that we receive, or it's potentially the fact that you're receiving child support, you know someone who is receiving child support. And so it really um, enters into our lives in a variety of different ways. And so the program really is vast, and I think we're all touched by it in some ways, even if it's you know, outside in our personal lives. So we all have vested interest in the success of the program. Yes, absolutely. And can you tell us a little bit more about federal, state, and tribal child support programs? I mean, these are some different perspectives, if you will, some different opportunities and different, um, some different venues that the employers may be touched by, if you will. Well, I can start uh, talking about the program as a whole, and it is a partnership of federal, state, tribal, and local government agencies, and the purpose is to make sure that children receive support by doing a variety of things, including locating parents, establishing paternity, establishing and modifying child support orders, and ultimately enforcing those orders. 
States and tribes develop and operate and manage their own child support programs, but we at the federal government at OCSC are here to help. And we do that by providing funding. We provide policy guidance and technical assistance. And we also operate systems at the federal level, such as the Federal Parent Locator Service, better known as the FPLS, and the National Directory of New Hires, or NDNH for short. We also work with states to provide enforcement services, such as federal tax refund offsets or intercepts, and we also operate the Passport Denial Program. One thing that I'd like to mention is that information technology has been really important to the success of the Child Support Program, and in my shop, the Division of Federal Systems, we work closely with child support agencies and external partners like employers, but we also work with financial institutions, insurance companies, and other federal agencies to operate data matches that result in collections for families. And Sherry, if I could just speak a little bit to my favorite initiative is the Electronic Income Withholding Order, or EIWO. And I can't stress enough the benefits that the payroll professionals, when we collaborated with OCSC in the states to implement and create EIWO, I think it's been a benefit to the states that are sending it, right? The reduction of the paper that has to go out the door. And it's a huge benefit to employers and the payroll professionals that are processing these orders. Getting them electronically has made a huge difference. We're able to keep information private, right, since it's not going necessarily through the mail. And ultimately, we're able to get those processed faster and the money back to the child support agencies and ultimately to the families faster. So that's my favorite initiative. Well, thank you, Sherry and Corey. We can only imagine how important employers' roles and responsibilities are and how they impact the child support program. Can you tell us more about how employers affect collections of child support? Sure, Pat. We have a great infographic on our website, and yeah, I'll plug our website again, that highlights how important employers are to the success of the program. In fiscal year 2021, a total of $32.7 billion was collected, and 66% of that was through income withholding. Historically, 75% of national collections have been attributed to income withholding, but we did see a decrease as a result of the pandemic. We do hope to see the percent increase to pre-pandemic levels in the upcoming years. And for us at ADP, the vast majority of the payments that we're sending out while we process a variety of type of wage withholdings is for child support. And so even the electronic funds transfer program or EFT, that's been another area that states embraced early on, they implemented, and it made it so much more efficient for employers to get the money to where it needs to go so much faster. And again, I I think a couple of different times I may talk about the privacy and keeping confidential information. Payroll professionals were very focused on ensuring that information is protected in a confidential way. And so the ability to do things electronically has really been an added benefit in order to keep that information secure. Being able to send the payments electronically, it goes through the necessary firewalls and insecurity. And so you know, we appreciate the states implementing EFT, and it's been a great benefit for us. Well, thank you. One of the first things that employers are responsible to do is to report new hires. Can you describe a little bit about that process and why it's so important? 
Sure. So federal law requires employers to report newly and rehired employees to a designated state agency within 20 days of hire. And there are some states that uh, have laws that require shorter timeframes for reporting. Uh, Employers with employees in more than one state have the option to register with our agency as a multi-state employer, and they can select one state to report all of their new hires. New hire reporting prompts child support systems to generate income withholding orders, IWOs, and as I mentioned, collections through IWO represent a majority of the national child support collections. And I will say for employers, we're pretty familiar with new hire reporting, right? It's been around for quite some time. And so in many cases, it's an automated process. But what I would like to bring everyone's attention or at least bring some awareness to is the independent contractor reporting within the new hire process. While it's been around for some states like California for many years, it could be a new concept for employers. And so just making sure that they're aware if, if it's a state that requires the reporting of an independent contractor, that they do have that process implemented. And so, you know, if there's one thing I, I could share as a best practice for those that are listening that are from the employer um, or payroll professional community, it's really make sure that you understand the independent contract reporting that's part of new hire in many states, because it does seem like that is the new focus. You know, you mentioned that over two-thirds of child support collections are received by income withholding orders issued to and processed by employers. How does this process work? How do IWOs get processed by the employers? So, Corey, do you want me to start just uh, by saying, uh, describing what income withholding is for folks out there that might not be terribly familiar? Uh, it, It is a deduction of payment for child support from a parent's income. Employers can receive income withholding orders from child support agencies, courts, private attorneys, and other entities. But any time that uh, an entity is issuing an income withholding order, it must be on the Office of Management and Budget, or OMB, approved form. And having that standard form makes it a lot easier for employers to process IWOs. Every three years, OMB approves those forms. We go through a renewal process, and as a matter of fact, the IWO is up for renewal this year. A notice was published in the Federal Register on Monday, January 23rd, soliciting comments on proposed revisions to the form. The comment period is open for 60 days, so we anticipate there may be some comments uh, and some potential changes to the form the form will be revised, I believe it's by September 30th of 2023. Since the IWO is a standard form and it's in a standard format, Corey mentioned how we worked in partnership with employers and child support agencies to implement the electronic IWO or EIWO process. And that has been operational and available since 2008. And we're really happy to say that 53 of the 54 states and territories participate in the EIWO process, along with tens of thousands of employers. And just to echo Corey, sending orders electronically speeds up the process of getting those payments to the families. And I could just add, so love the standardization that the um, OMB form creates. That was, I can remember way back in the day when that wasn't always the case and employers 
would receive a variety of types of forms. But we do appreciate that standardization, especially if it's for employers that aren't familiar with getting or don't frequently get the orders, right? They always know where to go because it's standard across the multiple states. For EIWO, um, it, it really can be something that helps employers that receive any kind of volume getting those in and processed in a much faster way. We, in 2021, processed about 39% of the EIWOs that were issued on behalf of our clients. And we make up about 60% of all the FEINs set up currently on EIWO. So the faster the state's can process those FEIN listings that OCSE is transmitting to them twice a month, the faster employers can get those orders in, get them processed, and again, get the money and the, and the payments back out the door. So we love the efficiencies with electronic, and we really appreciate the standardization that the OMB form does create. And Tim, if I could also mention another plug for our website, but we have an awesome section on our website for employers that can walk you through those orders where you may have orders from different states, but for the same non-custodial parent, there are scenarios that help you with figuring out the calculation for withholding. So it's really a great uh, great information out there on our website. And I guess the other thing I wanted to mention about EIWO is, and this is um, uh, coming soon, we are working on a process that will open up EIWO to some of those employers that maybe are on the smaller side that don't have access to servers. So they will actually be able to come to our child support portal to download the income withholding orders and respond to them. And then we will provide that information to the state. So we're really excited about the opportunity to open up EIWO to a larger employer base and really are excited about just the benefit that that's going to provide not only for the employers, but also for the child support agencies. So child support orders also address a parent providing medical support and an employer would receive additional notice to assist with that. Can you tell us more about these medical support orders? Hi, sure. So medical support is a type of child support, and employers are often required to enroll their employees' children in an employer-sponsored health insurance plan. Child support agencies send the National Medical Support Notice, and we we call it NMSN, some folks call it NIMSN, which is also an OMB-approved form to employers. The National Medical Support Notice has two parts, Part A and B. Employers respond to Part A and forward Part B to the plan administrator when appropriate. Uh, It's important to remember that it's not always the non-custodial parent who's required to provide medical support, so sometimes employers may receive a national medical support notice uh, from a child support agency with a custodial party identified as the parent required to provide medical support. And since we've talked a lot about EIWO and implementing EIWO has been so successful, we recently worked with child support agencies and employers to implement an electronic national medical support notice process, and we started that last year. Uh, We modeled that process after EIWO. We currently have two states and five employers participating in ENMSN, and there are five states and five employers in various stages of implementing. So Sherry, I'm dating myself, but I can remember when EIWO was implemented and Bill Stewart, 
right, was the point on OCSE side. And he used to say, you know, it's the chicken or the egg. We wanted employers wanted more states on and the states wanted more employers on before they did the development. So I, I think it's a combination. And so what it feels like to me with electronic national medical support notices is kind of similar to EIWO. We had a slow start, but once the state started to implement and see the benefits of it, it really started to gather momentum. And so with e Nimson, I would say, you know, we love the two states, but if we can get any more or encourage any other states to prioritize that development, it would be fabulous. And eventually in, in a couple of years, we'll see E. Nimson, just at the, the same kind of volume or level of participation with the states and employers, hopefully with EIWO. Well, and Corey, let's not forget how many pages that notices. So <laughs> exactly. uh, <laughs> if we can get that in an automated for, uh, you know, way for states to be able to generate it that way and the employers to process it, there's a huge cost savings. Right. Savings right there to do the development and the generation of paper and mailings. You know, I've, I've got to chime in here too for my for my days doing casework, and having to fold those NIMSMs or those those national medical support orders with the orders, make sure it was creased just right so the envelope wasn't too thick and it would fit through the the mailing machines. So the electronic versions really really have helped. Well, and Tim, um, I'm not going to name the state, but there is a state out there that sends. I think it's 50 pages because they send multiple copies of the National Medical Support Notice to employers. So I think it was it was 50 pages. <laughs> so we're really hoping this will help. But yes, I, I remember the crease, you know, crease it just so. And just to chime in on this topic, electronic is also better because postage rates continue to increase. So the costs associated with printing and assembling, but particularly mailing and the time lapse between the mail and the receipt of the mail is continuing to be something that we need to be on the lookout for. So electronic is better all the way around. So after the employer receives the notices from the child support office, can you take us through what happens next? So after we receive the notice, um, we're processing it into our system. We are making sure that um, the calculation is is correctly applied and appropriate. And then ultimately, we're providing notification to the employee, right? It's always a best practice to provide that notification. So they're not kind of blindsided when their next payroll, the, the money is being deducted. And then we're sending the payments on to the state disbursement unit or the tribal. And this is where, again, Pat, it's a great benefit to have the EFT because it does, I mean, you talked about postage. It allows us to cut down on that postage. And I think EFT is where many employers kind of started, you know, dipping their toe into the electronic world. And so, you know, it really has been such a huge benefit to be able to send the payments out electronically. And if all goes well, it's a relatively smooth kind of full circle from getting the orders in electronically to sending the payments out electronically, and again, getting the money to the families. And if I can just add, you know, in nearly all cases, employers are sending payments to the state disbursement unit, but 
when an employer receives a tribal IWO, we do sometimes get questions about, well, I, you know, we always hear we have to send it to the SDU. We have to send it to the SDU. Um, so we really are trying to um, stress in our outreach to the employer community that when they receive a tribal income withholding order, they need to direct the payments to the tribal payee identified on the IWO. And as a matter of fact, with the revised form, one of the recommendations that we we received and we actually put as one of the proposed changes is to highlight that on the form so that it kind of stands out so that folks know. And as, as Corey talked about EFT, in FY21, 2021, 78.5% of the payments received by SDUs from employers through, you know, for income withholding were EFT. Uh, that was the percentage, 78.5% received via EFT. And, you know, on the tribe, Sherry brings up a good point. You know, it was just probably two or three weeks ago we received an order in it, and it was for a tribe that we um, had not received an order from ever before. And it was directing the payments directly to the tribe. And so my best practice here for employers that are listening would be really look at the order, make sure that you understand where it's supposed to go and you're in compliance with that. I will also share, and Sherry didn't ask me to plug this, but on OCSE's site, they do have a listing of tribes, but it doesn't necessarily mean that the tribe has to be listed on you know, on the site and as included in that list, but really just read the order, make sure you understand what it's asking you to do when it is a tribe, because those are probably less frequent and more the exception of what employers are receiving and make sure that you're in compliance with that. Well, thank you very much, Sherry and Corey. Those comments are really important. And I think one of the big takeaways is make sure you read the order because the instructions there will tell you exactly what to do and it'll prevent rework on everyone's part. So what happens when a paying parent stops working for an employer? What is that process like? So employers are required to notify the child support agency when an employee with an IWO in place ends employment. And the reason that the child support agency needs to know is so that they can start looking for a new employer to issue a new income withholding order. Reporting terminations uh, is important because it starts that triggers that process. And there are several ways for employers to notify child support agencies about those terminations. Uh, one is EIWO. So if you are an employer that's using EIWO, you should be using EIWO for that termination notification. There's good old mail, although to Pat's point, we probably need to start moving away from uh, mail, but you can mail uh, the last page of the income withholding order actually is a, has a template and space uh, for you to indicate that the employee is no longer there. And uh, we do offer on our child support portal, OCSE's child support portal, an application that employers can use to report an employee terminations, and we send that information to all states and territories. So all 54 states and territories receive termination notifications through our child support portal. And for my employer friends and payroll friends out there, notify the states, notify, notify. Because of all the things Sherry said, right, we're required to do so. But, but again, it also prevents additional follow-up. 
from either, you know, the, the custodial parent or the state agency. So it's in the employer's best interest to notify as soon as they possibly can. And as Sherry mentioned, you can do the notification through EIWO. I will tell you, we did a project because we were sending out termination notices, right? hard copy notices, letters out on behalf of our clients when we were informed that someone who had an order terminated. We said, you know what, there's an ability to send that information electronically. Let's let's move to that process. And we did. And it was a huge savings for us. And so if you're able to send it through EIWO, do that. But my best practice and recommendation here is really notify as soon as possible to not only prevent additional follow-ups, but like Sherry mentioned, to be able to allow the state disbursement unit to go out and look for the new employer and potentially issue the order to the new employer. Again, thank you very much. There are often times that the child support office will send out a form to an employer asking for verification of employment. Can you share with us why this is done and what the process is? Thank you. So I will get questions quite a bit when we're at an employer conference saying, we get so many verification of employment requests. Why is that happening? And even though employers are reporting new hires and, and you know quarterly wage information, there are times that child support agencies need more information. For example, when they're establishing or modifying a child support order. So there are legitimate reasons that child support agencies are sending these uh, notices requesting employment verification. And the employers are required to respond within state-specified timeframes, but recognizing that each state had their own specific form and then, again, lack of standardization, it was kind of difficult for employers to uh, figure out how to respond depending on the state. Uh, Last year, child support agencies and employers worked together to improve the standard verification of employment response form. And as a result of the updates that we made to that form, all 54 states and territories agree to accept the standard response from the employers. And this is not an OMB-approved form. This is, <laughs> this is all voluntary, and all states and territories have agreed. What this means is when an employer receives a state-specific verification of employment request, from any child support agency, the employer may respond using that standard response. And another plug for our website, the the form is available on our website. And so Sherry, I have trouble sometimes getting my kids just to agree on what to watch on TV. So to get all the states to agree to a standardized form is pretty amazing. I will share when it comes to verification of employment, the standardized response really allows employers to do a great thing, which is to potentially template the form and then generate it out as they need to. We had, uh, I spoke with one large employer that that's in fact what they did, and it, it provided a huge savings on their end. The one tip I would give here for employers is many employers outsource the verification of employment process, but even if it's outsourced, Ultimately, it is the employer's responsibility to ensure that they are being completed in a timely fashion. And so make sure that you are periodically checking with your outsource process to make sure that what you expect is what you're actually getting. 
but do include those verifications back out and make sure that your provider is doing so as well. And if I could just kind of ask the states, we hear this very often when we talk to employers and payroll professionals, if you can issue the income withholding order, issue the income withholding order, if at all possible, because the employer, if they have an automated process or EIWO, they're going to get that in and then they're going to respond really, you know, right after the fact. So if at all possible, we like the IWOs, but we do understand the need for VOEs. You know, you've talked about the OCSC website. You've talked about standardization. I know that OCS has a child support portal. And can you tell us a little bit more about that? Sure. So, yep, we have a child support portal and uh, it's available to child support agencies as well as employers. And from an employer's perspective, there's lots of things that they can do on the portal, like update address and contact information. And any of that information that's updated, we share with the child support agencies on the portal, and we also share it weekly. We send a report that provides all of the updates. For those multi-state employers, the ones that have employees in two or more states, they can register and manage their multi-state employer uh, status with us. One of my favorites and Corey's favorites, I think, is to report lump sums on the portal. That's been really successful. All uh, 54 states and territories receive information that's been reported by employers about upcoming lump sum payments that the employer's going to make. And as we mentioned, you can report terminations on the portal and also respond to a new income withholding order that you receive for someone who has never been employed or is no longer employed there. And the most recent application that we launched on the portal is Communication Center. And this is a way for child support agencies, employers, and if you want to talk to us, you can talk to us too, communicate on the portal in a secure environment and exchange PII, personally identifiable information, things that would normally require encrypted email or some other form of communication, facts. So it's a great opportunity to exchange messages. It has the capability to upload documents and really just keep those lines of communication open between child support agencies and employers. And for employers or payroll professionals, the portal has a wealth of information. It's like my top, you know, top two links that I, I have bookmarked and I'm constantly out there going to answer a question. I, I go out to the portal just to double check. And so there's matrix information about new hire reporting and all just a wealth of, of information and resources that employers can leverage. And Sherry talked about communication center. I know employers would like to see more states participating because it's a challenge, right? When an employer is trying to communicate with the state and it's going through the encryption process, which we definitely appreciate, but to be able to go out through a secured process to communication center, it's kind of a one-stop shop, right? You just have to have that. But we really need more states to partner to make it as effective as it potentially could be. And so employers go out there, kind of poke around on the portal. You can do a variety of things. You can update your contact information. 
there really is just a lot you can do out there. And I know Sherry's team has some great presentations and different things and resources out there. So yeah, it's one of my favorites. You know, you mentioned lump sum payments. Can you give us a couple of examples about what are lump sum payments? So lump sum payments are going to be those one-time payments that an employer pays out periodically. It's not normal wages, right? It's, it's separate from that. And in many states, there's the requirement to report to the state prior to paying the lump sum out because then the state will go back and they'll say, yes, we want to collect a portion of this one-time payment to pay down arrears. And Sherry, I think, briefly touched on OCSC through the portal created a process where employers can actually upload a spreadsheet and say, here's my population of employees that have a child support obligation that potentially may be getting a bonus. They have an annual bonus coming up. And so we're able now to upload that report and within, what, 24 hours, get a response back that says, here's everyone who matched that has arrears based on uh, the, is it the national debtor file, Sherry? Yes. So here's everyone who has a match and here's everyone who does not have a match. And that sounds simple enough, but what that allows the employer to do then is to really kind of separate out and say, this population, I know, no problems, the, the, the bonus payroll can be paid out, but here's my population of matches. And then what the employer, that allows the employer to do is wait for the states to then send the income withholding order. And then the employer imp- applies that one time lump sum withholding to that bonus and they can collect that and pay that on to the state disbursement unit prior to paying out the bonus to the employee. And what that then does is helps pay down the arrears that that non-custodial parent may have. So we like the portal and the new efficiencies there with the spreadsheet. It has made a huge difference of having to reach out to all the different states, so. You've shared so much great information with our listeners today, and we really appreciate your expertise and your willingness to participate with us in this discussion. Are there any last thoughts, Sherry and Corey, that you'd like to leave with our listeners? Well, I would just like to say we appreciate the partnership and collaboration with the child support community, right? It it takes a village and we're all working together to ensure that the child support program is a success. And so I know for employers, You know, we have normal payroll functions that we're doing and then processing the child support orders. So we're really committed to the success and we appreciate all the efficiencies that the states and OCSE has worked to implement to make the process a little easier and more efficient for employers as we share in this partnership. And I would just like to say a big thank you to the employer community because We really couldn't do this without you. So thanks for all you do. Well, we would like to thank our guests today, Corey Flores from ADP and Sherry Grigsby from the Federal Office of Child Support Enforcement for starting us in a conversation, which is the first of a series of podcasts that will shed light and hopefully answer questions on the child support program and the important role of employers. I'm Pat O'Donnell of Young Williams. And I appreciate being with you today. And I'm Tim Leitner. We look forward to bringing you the next installment in this series. Thank you for listening. This has been On Location. 
on Location is available on iTunes, Anchor, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and anywhere you get your podcasts. We have a lot of great episodes on the way, so be sure to subscribe and listen to all of our previous episodes as well. We also appreciate your ratings, your feedback, your comments, and your suggestions. If you'd like to be a guest on the show, please reach out to us on the contact link on our website. On Location is a production of the NCA Communications Committee with special production assistance from Joe Mamlin and me. Thanks again for joining me. I'm Tim Leitner, and this has been On Location.